rejected. Okay, so he, he chooses, Pilate chooses to release Barabbas, not Jesus. There's something glorious in Jesus' rejection. And then you can see that in the mistreatment of Jesus. They play Mr. Dress Up with him. They treat Jesus like a doll and they mock him. But there's something glorious in his mistreatment as well. There's a glory in it. And then the submission of Jesus. He submits to Pilate's unjust sentence. But there's also something that shows something of the glory of Christ in his unjust sentence. So that's our focus this morning. You can follow that outline. And uh, I'm going to read from John chapter 18, the last two verses, the last three verses of John 18, and then into 19, verses 1 through 16. Well, the last part of John 18, verse 38. What does Pilate say? I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Barabbas was a robber. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. The soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. They said, Hail, king of the Jews. They struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Think back to John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Pilate doesn't see it, but he's speaking truth here. Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, You take him. You crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard that saying, he was more afraid, and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and the power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes him a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out, sat down in the judgment seat, you could say in the court, and in the place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was a preparation day of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king! They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him up to them to be crucified. And then they took Jesus and led him away.
This man is remembered all throughout history, all throughout the world. Who's this man? Pilate. He's known for his cruelty and his unjust sentence. There's no greater injustice than than this injustice committed by this man, Pilate. And we hear his name every Sunday in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. He suffered. The eternal Son of God, totally innocent, totally righteous, God himself, suffered under this man. A governor, yes. A judge, but under Pontius Pilate. And we're going to see how he suffered under Pontius Pilate in three ways in this passage. Certainly there's more ways, but we're going to look at three ways in which he suffered under Pontius Pilate. First, rejection. Okay, you see the re- we see the rejection of Jesus. How do you feel when you feel rejection? It makes you feel lousy. Feels like nobody loves you. Well, Jesus was rejected. Pilate, you know, he says, I don't find anything wrong in him. I find no fault in him. Pilate's right. There was no fault in him. He's totally innocent. But if if Pilate was a man of integrity, if he was a man of honesty, what would he have done? He would have released Jesus and set him free and dismissed the crowds. Okay, you go back home now because there's no fault in him. But rather than releasing Jesus, he didn't want to take responsibility. He was scared. He was a bit of a coward. And he says, I'm washing my hands of this, my responsibility. He says, you choose. He says to the crowd, you choose. And he gives the people a choice of who to release. And so you see in verse 39, why does he give the people a choice of whom to release? Because he knew it was the custom of the Jews at every Passover to release one prisoner. And that one prisoner would be set free. And so he's hoping against hope that they'll say, Jesus. And then everything's done. Everything's taken care of. Wash his hands of his responsibility. So the choice is then between whom and whom? Barabbas on the left and Jesus. And what does Pilate say? Pilate says, Pilate suggests, you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? He's hoping. He suggests the king of the Jews. He doesn't even think about Barabbas. But no, they don't want to release Jesus, the king of the Jews. They want to release Barabbas. Who's Barabbas anyway? He's a terrorist. You talk about a political dissident. He and a bunch of other guys, a bunch of other thugs started an uprising in the Roman Empire. He's the danger to society. He murdered. He stole. He's a criminal. There's a pause. Who should they choose? An innocent 
or a criminal to be released. They make their choice. They choose to release Barabbas rather than Jesus. Not this man. Oh, they hated him. But Barabbas. Think about it. You experience that kind of rejection. What kind of suffering that would be. But for Jesus, it was untold suffering. Beyond what we can describe. Because he is totally innocent. Perfectly righteous. But Pilate is a coward. And he wants to wash his hands of all responsibility. And he sidesteps justice. And not only that, the guilt of the Jewish people, the guilt of the Jewish people is even greater than Pilate's sin. Why? Because they have the knowledge of the covenant. They have the knowledge of the scriptures. God had prophesied to them that a king was coming who would be born from them, who would come to save them. They hate him. They reject the truth. They reject him. They throw him out of their fellowship. We don't want him. The person they're rejecting is no stranger to them. He's one of them. Jesus came to them. He loved them. He loved them so much. He taught them. He preached to them. He called them to repentance and faith, to find life in him. He sought them out like a shepherd looking for sheep. The Lord Jesus loved them. They know he's not a robber. They know he's not a murderer. But they don't want anything to do with him. Get them out. They hate him. They prefer Barabbas. They prefer the world. They prefer not the church. They prefer the world. Oh, they would rather have darkness than light. They prefer death, not life. You notice that a few months later, if you look at Acts chapter 3, after the Holy Spirit is poured out in the church, Apostle Peter is speaking to this group again. And he said to them, a few months later, he tells them that in the presence of Pilate, what did they do? They denied the holy and just one. See that? The holy and just one. And preferred a murderer, preferred Barabbas, instead of Jesus, the prince of life. And yet, what do you see? Do you see the glory in Jesus' rejection? Jesus offers himself. This is his way to fight Satan. To fight Satan off, who has his people in bondage and slavery to sin and hell. And Christ is using their rejection of him, Jesus is using their rejection of him to atone for the sin of rejection for which we too are guilty. See him suffering. Immense suffering. Horrendous suffering. The one who became flesh and dwelt among us. The innocent one. The one who enjoyed life with the Father from all eternity. This one sentenced unjustly to die 
the death that we, us, we deserve. We're the guilty ones, not him. Yes, Pilate, he lost. He yields to the wishes of the crowds in regards to Barabbas. But he's not done with his tactics yet. He loves to play around and deceive. He's a liar. He doesn't play honestly. So now he's going to try to arouse sympathy. He's going to try to make people feel sorry for Jesus in the hope that they'll release him. And that brings us to Pilate's next next tactic. Terrible. They play Mr. Dress-Up with Jesus. You know how children sometimes take a doll and they play dress-up and they make a doll into a queen or king or a monster? Well, that's what they do with Jesus. They they treat Jesus like a plaything. Something to play with and something to kick around. That's what we see in verses 1 through 6. The coward gives the Lord Jesus over to his soldiers, these are not the Jews now, but the, the Gentile soldiers, to scourge him. You know, what means, you know what scourge means? It's a whip with points on it. Long points, sharp points. And you lash the criminal. He gave them to the soldiers to whip Jesus. And so those cruel hands of Pilate's soldiers, they seize Jesus, and what's the first thing they do? They undress him. They take off all his clothes. And then with those blows, they make deep lines, deep, deep lines on the back of Jesus until the blood just flows from those wounds. Terrible pain. If that doesn't show us the depth of our sin, you see how sinful we are by, by nature? The gravity of our wickedness, the gravity of man's sin. You see it right here. This is what our sin did. We as sinful people. And like children, they play Mr. Dress Up. Look at verses 2 and 3 in three ways. <laughs> They're going to have fun with him. They're going to play with him. They put a crown on him. No, not a glorious crown, but a crown of thorns. These were like 12-inch thorns. And they would just press into the head until the blood started rippling out and down through the face. That was one thing. And what do they do? Ah, they found an old purple robe that some soldier threw out. It was probably torn. and said, let's put that old purple robe. Purple's a color of royalty, right? So it's mock royalty. Let's throw it over his shoulders and let's pretend he's king. They make fun of him. And then they play the game of, hey, let's bow to him. And so one by one, they say, Hail, King of the Jews! Hail, King of the Jews! And as they do, one by one, they're just slapping him across the face. Slap, slap. They do not realize that one day they will really have to bow before him. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He will rise from the dead. He will ascend. He will be glorious king over all. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. They will have to give account to him. But you see the blindness of sin? In sin, we don't see that. 
They don't see it. That's precisely why Jesus had to be crucified and die. Because that's the only foundation by which we can begin to see ourselves or who we really are. And come to see that he is the Savior. Oh, the corrupt nature of man's heart is so unleashed here, isn't it? The soldiers manifest openly the wickedness which really lives in the, in the lives of people by nature. In his bitter suffering, Jesus is not respected. His name is not respected. His person, his office, his word. Trounced upon, made fun of. Is there a person that likes him? Is there a person that supports him? They're mocking him. And he's hurting. And they mock him even more because of his pain. His image is so marred. Think of Isaiah 53. So disfigured that eyes don't even want to look upon him. An object of scorn. Ridicule. Ha 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 ha. People laughing at him. Do you see something? Do you see? Do you discern the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father on his face? His face with spit with slap marks, with blood. You know what his glory is? He's doing that for you so that we don't have to have it. We deserve it. But he endures this out of his great love. This is his way of fighting off Satan, fighting to conquer hell so that you can have, that you can, so that you can be accepted by God. He's rejected so that you can be accepted. He's mistreated so that you can be treated as totally justified by grace, by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Keep in mind, his suffering was not only intense. No one suffered like he did. And why is that? Because his suffering is also vicarious. That's a special word. That's an expensive word. Vicarious means one who suffers in the place of someone else. Vicar, right? Vicarious. One who suffers in the place of the innocent. Suffering in the place of the guilty. Yes, the innocent one. Suffering God's punishment for sin instead of us. We deserve to receive those blows, don't we? Christ said, I will do it. I have come to do your will, O oh God. I love these people. I'm willing to do this in order to free them. Isaiah 53, verse 5. You see that right in the passage here. He was wounded. For what? For our transgressions. That means for our sins. He was bruised. Those whips certainly bruised him. He was bruised for our iniquities. Another way of saying sin. The chastisement for our peace. That's for your peace. That was on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Brought into a relationship with Lord God. Forgiven. Restored. Receiving life. Eternal inheritance. Yeah. Pilate's second tactic. What a... What an evil man. 
What a coward. Just always looking for number one himself. Thinking about his own position, trying to save his skin, his own skin. He goes out and tells Jesus to come out. And there he is with a bloody face, blood coming down his face, dressed in this old purple robe. Do you think that's going to arouse the pity and the sympathy of the world? Really? No. Pilate says, behold the man. Indeed, yeah. This man, the word became flesh. And this man is displaying the glory. The glory of the only one of the begotten. How? In his disgrace. In his pain. In his weakness. Taking what we deserve on himself. Bearing it all. They were so blind. That's what sin is, right? Blindness doesn't see. It doesn't see. They just saw him as a man. But there's so much more going on. By faith we see more, don't we? We see his glory. That's the only way we can see his glory is by faith. To see the more. There's a moment of silence. Does the sight of Jesus arouse their pity? Not a single person in the crowd says, release him. Not a single person. As a matter of fact, the sight of blood, the sight of blood incites, incites in, the, in the people a thirst for more blood. It's kind of like the animal spirit coming out of them. The spirit of animals. Crucify him, they scream. They become unreasonable. They don't even think logically anymore. They don't even think rationally anymore. He's become emotional. We hate this man. Get rid of him. Crucify him. Curse him. And all along, they don't see how God, in his love, is using their terrible, murderous hatred to fulfill his plan of salvation for people like that. Some of them will come to faith and they will come to see that. Yeah, and Jesus, even then, through faith, through their faith, he saves them. Even then, you see the love of the Savior. But it had to be this way to fight off that serpent, that devil. You know, the strategy didn't work for Pilate. He is a people pleaser, and he wants to be in everybody's good side, and he can't make a decision. He's indecisive. And ultimately, in God's plan, he has no other choice. God corners him. And he has to make that decision. And God, in his plan, uses Pilate to condemn him, to condemn, to sentence his son to death, to sentence God's son to death. Oh, Pilate is responsible. He's 100% responsible for his sin, his evil. And yet you see how God is using this to accomplish his purpose. You see, you see in verses 7 through 12, the submission of Jesus to Pilate, to this man who is so unjust, so wicked, so evil. Verses 7 through 12, we'll just quickly go through that because verse 11 is really the point. But you notice Pilate tries so hard 
to escape the responsibility. People do that sometimes, right? They don't want to take the responsibility to put it on others because <laughs> they want to avoid any kind of shame. They want to save face. And that's what he finally says to the Jews. Okay, I'm done. You take him. You crucify him. I'm not going to do it. I, I, I find no fault in him. But Pilate doesn't succeed here either. What do the Jews say? He's not innocent. We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die. Why? Because he made himself the Son of God. Is he the Son of God? Yeah, it's true. But that's why they're angry. They're angry at the truth. They want to get rid of him. They want to get rid of the truth. You notice what, what happens to Pilate when they hear, when he hears that that uh, the Jews, when, he, when they say that he made himself a son of God, he gets scared. I mean, Pilate was not a believer. Only gods he knew was the gods of the Roman Empire. I think from Hope Academy and maybe from homeschool, maybe you learn about the Roman gods, right? The Greek gods. They had a zillion gods. And when Pilate hears son of God, he begins to shake. He's thinking that maybe He's claiming to be a son of a god, a small g. Maybe, maybe this man is half a god and half a man. So he's fearful of condemning a god, and that's why Pilate's afraid. He asked Jesus, where are you from? I mean, is he really from the earth? Well, where are you from? You know what? Jesus doesn't answer Pilate's not seeking salvation. He's not seeking the truth. Jesus doesn't answer. Are you not speaking to me, said Pilate? Do you know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? Jesus, very in a dignified manner, even as he's bleeding, he speaks as the prophet, as the son of God. He says, Pilate, the power to crucify or release me doesn't come from you. It comes from God. Jesus' answer, no doubt, impresses Pilate. And we read in verse 12, that Pilate kept on trying to release him. The sense there is he kept on, kept on, kept on. He wished to release him. And finally the Jews say, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Pilate wanted to avoid the responsibility of making a decision what to do with Christ. But if he doesn't do what they say, ouch, he's not going to escape the revenge of Caiaphas and Annas because they're going to report to the Roman authorities and say, Pilate, do you trust him? Caesar's favor is really important to Pilate. Pilate gives in. He decides in order to save his life, to save his hide, to save face, he's going to do the most cruel thing that's ever happened in the history of the world, and that is to condemn the Son of God to death. Verse 13. When Pilate heard, therefore, the saying, he brought Jesus out, sat down in the judgment seat in the place that was called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. 
picture the scene here at the court table, gavel in hand, outside perhaps, people looking on, Jesus on trial, being sentenced. Pilate sits down as judge. It's about six o'clock in the morning, Friday. And again he says to the Jews, Behold your king. Of course, Pilate spoke, spoke, spoke better than what he knew. He doesn't know who Jesus really is, but he was speaking the truth. The long-awaited king of the Jews now stood before them. And still, the covenant people don't recognize him. John 1, he came into the world. He came to his own. The world was made through him. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. And they cry out, away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Said Pilate. The chief priests answer and listen to his, their answer. We have no king. We boot God out now too. We only have, we follow one king that's only Caesar. We no longer even claim God as our king. We only follow Caesar. We only follow the civil authority. We don't listen to anybody else. The gavel comes down on the table and Pilate pronounces the verdict, the sentence. Guilty. Notice, three times Pilate says, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. And then he hands him over to be crucified. Pilate sets a murderer free and sends Jesus off to be crucified. He's responsible for his own sin, even though God was working through him. God is not responsible. God is working out for our salvation. He's 100%, Pilate's 100% responsible for his unjust sentence that he passed down on the Son of God. And yet, and yet, the court on earth, what does it do? It confirms, it ratifies heaven's decision, the decision of God the Father. God, the judge of heaven and earth, pronounces his sentence on his son, guilty. And that sound of the gavel could be heard all throughout the earth, even to this day. You see the glory of Jesus here? Jesus willingly surrenders to this evil judge. He willingly surrenders to him because of his love for you. But above all, because he submits himself to God's sentence. He's submitting himself to God's sentence through Pilate so that we can be set free from condemnation. We can be set free from guilt. The Bible says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, that is, the iniquity of us all. You know what? You can look at question and answer 38. I just love that in the Heidelberg Catechism because it really summarizes. I'll just read that. It says, Why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate's judge? So that he, Jesus, though innocent, might be condemned by an earthly judge and so free us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us. Set free, forgiven, in exchange in exchange for what Jesus does, what does God give us? He lifts the sentence from, of death from us. 
and gives eternal life and a kingdom and joy and peace for all who trust on Christ alone for their own salvation. Jesus' condemnation before Pilate shows how deep the fall, how deep human corruption really is and how sin really is. The only way of salvation for the world today is what? Through Jesus. There's not many ways of salvation. That's mocking God. Never say that. Because when you say there's many ways of salvation, that's mocking. That's mocking the Christ. You're spitting at him. You're mocking him. You're deriding the truth. There's only one way. And God is honored to say that to us. God does not save us because we're nice. Never think that way. Who does God save? He saves the ungodly. We're all by nature ungodly. He saves the ungodly, says Romans 4, verse 4. He doesn't save nice people. He saves ungodly people through faith in Christ. Jesus allowed himself to be sentenced while innocent. So through faith in him, God declares the ungodly righteous, free, forgiven. God warns, therefore, that he who does not believe in Christ is condemned already, says John chapter 3, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Yeah, it's either Christ and life or no Christ and death. For the whole world, it's that way. There is no other way of salvation. Oh, I know our society today, if you say that, there's little, little tolerance for that. They don't want to hear that. But it's the truth, isn't it? If we really love others as Jesus loved us, we'll say the truth. There's only one way. And yeah, we need to be ready and willing to endure what Jesus endured. Rejection and mistreatment. But you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it all. Because guess what? Not guess, but know for sure that you have life. You have a kingdom. And that's forever and ever. You wouldn't want to trade that up, would you, by becoming like Pilate? No, that's scary. No, be willing to endure mistreatment. Be willing to endure rejection. How do you do that? First of all, by submitting to him who submitted himself to you. Submitting yourselves by faith in Christ. And that's your foundation because the foundation is Christ. He submitted himself to the righteous judgment of God on our behalf. Submission is a great word. Submission is freeing. Submission is life. I mean, submission to Christ. That's life. That's joy. That's peace. That's kingdom. Wow. By nature, we're all like Barabbas. Suppose for a moment that Barabbas, by God's grace, did believe. And maybe he did. Maybe Barabbas did believe in Jesus. We don't know. But suppose he did. Barabbas could say, Jesus died instead of me. As one author says, they yanked him from his prison. They placed him on the pavement in the rays of the shining sun. And while his eyes were still blinking, they told him he was a free man. Not he, but Jesus would be put to death. That's us. We're like Barabbas by nature. If Jesus 
Okay. Nothing we need to be really clear is if Jesus' sentence was only from men, then the sentence on Jesus is no different than any other sentence on any other person today. But we know this sentence is from God. The sentence that Jesus received was from God through an earthly judge, Pilate. And this is the solid ground of your trust, solid ground of your assurance. And by faith in Christ, he brings us into the light of a new day. If you're in Christ, there's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Who's king? Caesar? He showed it. He proved it. He didn't stay dead. He arose. He ascended. He reigns. Praise God that he's king. Why? Because if he wasn't king, nobody else would be sitting here. We would still be hurling insults at him. But he shows that he's king and that he began to soften our hearts and to put his love into our hearts. He changed our hearts through the word of God and by his spirit. On our own, we would never come to Jesus. And we could never come to Jesus. We wouldn't and we couldn't. We would still be hurling insults at him. But thank God he's a great and powerful king. He is our risen Lord, having defeated the powers of darkness, death, and Satan. Because of his submission for our salvation, you know what? He enables us by his spirit, by his word, to submit to him. That's freedom. That's, that's freedom, submission to him. He enables us so that we can endure in his strength rejection of those who hate Jesus. Because if they hate Jesus, they'll hate his followers. They'll hate you and me. We can endure rejection. We can endure people spit at us. 